0: The following is brought to you by the Leave it in the Ring podcast network. All boxing, no filter.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Boxing Esquire podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast presented by The Ring at ringtv.com and distributed by the Leave it in the Ring network. I'm very honored to have as my guest on this episode two great Irish sports writers, Kieran Cunningham of the Irish Daily Star and Ewan McKenna of the Irish Independent. Uh, We discussed the recent revelation that major promoters in boxing are using Daniel Kinahan, an alleged kingpin of an international drug and money laundering cartel, as their agent for doing business in the Middle East. We go into the background of the Kinahan cartel and the formation of the MGM gym in Marbella, Spain, and how that would launch uh, the boxing management and promotional company now known as MTK. We spoke about the lines, how, how the lines between uh, the criminal enterprise and the boxing enterprise crossed and reached their flashpoint with a shooting at the Regency Hotel in Dublin in 2016. We then talk about how mtk and kinahan have persevered despite the bloodshed and body count of the kinahan hutch feud and how they've grown into a massive presence in the sport of boxing and the repercussions of that uh on both the irish and global boxing stages a really lively uh, and informative conversation that i really think you'll enjoy It is my honor and privilege to have as my guest on this episode two distinguished international sports writers, uh, Kieran Cunningham, Chief Sports Writer at the Irish Daily Star in Dublin, Ireland, and Ewan McKenna, host of the Black Eye Podcast and columnist for the Irish Independent News. Kieran, Ewan, welcome to the uh, Boxing Esquire Podcast. Thanks, Kurt. Good to be on.
0: Greatly appreciate it, Kurt. Lovely to talk to you.
1: Great, great. So first question, just wanna know how uh the, the two of you are, are, are coping with the uh the global pandemic. I guess I'll start with you, you and how how are things?
0: Uh hey, good. I'm I'm actually in Portugal at the minute. I uh oh, it's wow. pretty good things are slowly reopening. Um but as someone who never particularly liked uh, the company of people, <laughs> I don't mind the lockdown. <laughs> Social
1: distancing, not a problem for you, Ewan. <laughs> I've been doing it for years,
0: Kurt.
2: Uh, uh, Kurt, I know, I know you, and I can confirm he's not joking either. So. <laughs> <laughs> he, really, he really doesn't like people. So. Yeah. But it's been fine here as well. We've been lucky, Kurt. We've actually, in Ireland, we've got, we've got great weather the last few weeks. It's been a bit like Portugal, and that's made it a bit easier to cope with like even though you're limited where you can go you can go 5k now in terms of exercise was two kilometers up till a couple of weeks ago but um like even around you know if you go into your back garden or go for you know short walks or something it's just been a lot more pleasant like I work from home anyway as Ewan would have for a long time and so it isn't a huge amount of difference you have to do a bit of homeschooling which is uh, can be a bit challenging but uh, other than that it's not too bad
1: okay excellent excellent well, uh, you know, I have both of you on the program today to talk about, you know, a huge story kind of rocked the boxing world, certainly over here. Um, and you guys have been reporting on this for for many years, as it turns out. But uh, the fact that uh, you know, top rank promoter Bob Arum uh, openly admitted he's using uh, uh, Daniel Kinahan as his agent in in United Arab Emirates uh, to negotiate a potential deal for a proposed heavyweight unification fight. Between uh, between uh, WBC and lineal champion Tyson Fury, who's managed by uh, the organization Kinnahan founded, MTK, and uh, unified WBA, WBO, and IBF champ Anthony Joshua. Um, let's start with Karen. Um, just how surprised were you to hear that Bob Arum come out and openly admit he was in business with uh, with Kinnahan to try and negotiate possibly the biggest fight in the sport of boxing right now?
2: Um. That's a good question. In, in one way, I was very surprised because Bob Bob Arum is such a prominent figure in the world of boxing for over over fifty years, and given Daniel Kinahan to, to be kind, he has a checkered reputation. And that's been very kind. So to talk, for him to talk so openly about what a great guy he was and calling him Captain Dan and how he's the he's the guy that makes things happen in the Middle East, it was a bit of a surprise from that point of view. But at the same time, over the last three months, it's been very interesting. It seems like there's been a concerted campaign to rehabilitate Daniel Kinnehan right. and to reinvent himself as a boxing promoter because... He was obviously one of the founders of MTK as it was, uh, when it was MGM. It was previously called MGM, and they had to change because of, uh, I think, illegal action from Las Vegas, MGM in, in Las Vegas. But um, the MTK have been very keen to distance themselves from Daniel Kinnon in the last few years. They said there's been a buyout, that he's nothing to do with them. But now they've announced that he's an advisor. Uh, Bob aram says he's advising him and Top Rank, and that he helps out with, uh, you know, you know, he negotiates things with Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn. And now uh, he's also been announced, it was announced two weeks ago, he's an advisor for a group called BHK Sport in Bahrain, which are backed by the Bahrain, Bahraini royal family, which have huge money behind them. Right. And, you know, there was a rap song released on YouTube three months ago that had all these conspiracy theories about Daniel Kinnem, how he was an innocent man, and the, the media and the Irish government and the Irish police force had been out... Have been trying to set him up. Then a supposed documentary was released a couple of weeks ago putting forward the same conspiracy theory. And it's all there's been this drip drip feed over the last few months that is trying to rehabilitate Daniel Kinnan's reputation. Because Daniel Kinnan, two years ago, in a high court in Dublin, he was identified in the Criminal Assets Bureau as controlling and managing the Kinnan organized crime group. And this is an organization. It smuggles drugs and guns into Ireland, the UK, mainland Europe. It is involved in money laundering all over the place. It is a major drugs cartel. It's involved in a feud in Ireland that's killed 18 people. And 16 of the murders have been by the Kinnaghan cartel. So for him to be suddenly talked up by so many people in boxing, when in court so much has been said about him, it's really surprising. He has no c- criminal convictions himself. Donald Kinahan, just to fill you in on his background, is a son of Christy Kinahan. He was known as the Dapper Don. He has convictions for drugs and money laundering in three different countries. And he was a major gangland figure in Ireland. And eventually, what he, 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 he's an exiled in Spain. The last we heard, he was in Hong Kong, I think. He's moved around because of various um, police forces want to talk to him about various things. Right. So that's his background. You know, that, that, that's a big... Cause there's this thing that's been spun by MTK that he's been treated very unfairly, that it's a rags-to-riches story, that this guy from Dublin's inner city, uh, you know, has has risen to the top in boxing. But right. you look at his fam. Like, they're not... You know, they weren't street traders. If they were trading in something, it was... Uh, you know, it wasn't fruit and vegetables. <laughs> you know, the... <laughs> so... Uh, there's a lot of questions here, um, Kurt. A couple of them, the the big question to me it really highlights is, and I think you're interested in this uh, and your work as an attorney and in boxing management is, who runs boxing? Like if this happened in soccer, if this happened in soccer, you know, you would go to FIFA with a list of questions about Daniel Kinn and how is this guy involved? How is he allowed to be involved? Are you concerned about these various questions that have been brought up about him? If it was if he was in track and field, you go to the IAAF. But who right. runs boxing? Which right. governing body do you go to? Have you have a problem with Daniel Kinnahan, Who do you actually go to?
1: Right, right. Yeah, I definitely. Um, you've you, you've given me a lot to to unpack there. In fact, I think I've got about eight pages of notes on this whole thing. There's so much here. Um, let's start. Let's kind of just start at the top. I mean, with with uh, you mentioned Christy Kinnahan and and kind of the origins of of, of how we got here. Um, you yeah. know, Christy Kinahan is in is is Daniel's father. you know he's he's considered uh, kingpin of, of of what's now estimated you know like billion dollar you know uh, illegal drug empire. Um, and like you said, I mean, he was arrested. He's done jail time for possession of heroin, of stolen travelers' checks, of I know there was a big court case about fixing uh, races in in mm-hmm. in England I think where some well-known jockeys were were involved I think Daniel was named in testimony in that case um there's there was also operation shovel and in, in which was an international uh, investigation uh, where he was arrested Daniel was arrested but both were let go and and I know Christie did you know more time in Belgium <laughs> for money laundering so um, and and it's reported he's a suspect uh, in in, in a, a, a numerous murder cases. So you and clearly Christy Kinahan, powerful uh, career criminal with his hands in a lot of different scams, who's, who's built quite an empire over the years. Talk about the scope of of, of the reach uh, in Europe of 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 the Kinahan uh, organization.
0: Well. They're kind of seen as the number one cocaine traffickers throughout Europe. They bring a lot of stuff in from South America, but they've, I mean, they've interests in Brazil, Sierra Leone, China, the Middle East, Ireland, England, Spain. Um, It's quite phenomenal. Um, And and you mentioned the kind of billion euro plus um, worth worth of their assets. I mean, and it's not just the cocaine that their other great skill is seen uh, as laundering money um, to the point that other gangs come to them. And, and use them to launder money. Um, Daniel would have taken over, I believe, from his father around 2015 when this latest feud, as Kieran mentioned, killed about 18 people, 16 from the Kinnahan side. And I mean, even the first murder in, in, in that was in 2015 and, and Spanish police gave evidence around that. And they said that Daniel Kinnahan himself had, had ordered that uh, murder. So, I mean, for quite a number of years, he's been a, a Tier 1 target in Ireland, a Tier 1 target in the UK, a Tier 1 target in Spain. Um, so, I mean, he's at the very zenith of of, of wanted criminals. And to the point, I mean, I, I do, it's, whether he dragged his world towards boxing or he dragged boxing towards his world is open to interpretation. But, I mean, with his influence in MTK ha, has seen a number of unsavory incidents. I mean, in, in um, I think it was November 2015, Um, There was an attempt uh, on his life at a a show or a way in, I think, at the Red Cow in Dublin. He survived that. A a few months later, there was another attempt on his life where where someone was killed in another way in in Dublin. Back in 2014, Jamie Moore was shot by mistake instead of Daniel Kinahan when they were in Marbella in in Spain. So, I mean, there's always been the link. and, And everyone's known. I mean, I guess the problem... You couldn't say it because you'd be sued until recently. Everyone knew he was the head of the cartel, and only this week in Ireland actually did it come out and someone was charged and named for the first time in court as a member of the Kinahan cartel. Um, Sandra Vaughan, who runs MTK, and I kind of, I, she says she runs MTK, she's CEO, she has long since said he had nothing to do with it, but we had a long list of boxers come out and kind of the mask slipped several times. There was Stephen Simmons said, all chats must go through. Kinnahan. Uh, Irish super featherweight, Declan Garrity he described him as a great manager. Jack Catterall said, he's still advised by Kinnahan. So there was this, this, the curtain was pulled back a few times. And we knew what was going on. And the big question was, where was the money for MTK coming from? Um, because it has kind of taken over the, well, it, up to last year, kind of took over the European boxing scene as the Kinnaghan's had the European cocaine scene. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess it's quite something. I mean, it's almost fitting in the kind of um, the, the, the money over morality times we live in at mm. the moment. Mm. We saw we saw the Joshua uh, Ruiz fight in Saudi Arabia, a, a kingdom with a, a war criminal over it. Now we have the UAE involved in this. Another, again, the UN have said they're involved in war crimes. We have a guy who's the head, head of a cartel that is the leading cocaine smugglers in the world who said to put out a hit on 16 people and this is what's coming together at the top of boxing to make their big fights now i know boxing has a long history and a kind of a a shady past but none of that makes this okay in this era i mean it is quite shocking to have a legitimate sport have these figures be be the the saudi empire the 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 uae regime daniel Kinahan. it's quite unseemly and it's it's very very troubling
2: Absolutely. Yeah, Kurt, a, the, Kurt. There's another point that I just add what you and saying there, um, it's the fact where he's based as well that he, you know, he's based in Dubai. He has his Middle Eastern base, and like you and has written about this as well. You know, the phenomenon of sports washing, and a, a large part of that is based now in the Middle East, uh, where you see like major golf events going to. So, Saudi Arabia, Formula One Grand Prix. Uh, Qatar had the World Athletics Championships last year. We'll have the World Cup in soccer, even though it couldn't be less suited to to hosting a major soccer tournament. And that's why I think there's a really good chance that Joshua Fury will take place in Saudi Arabia. And it's one event that could actually take place amid the COVID-19 restrictions, because they don't care if there's nobody at the fight. They don't care if it's behind closed doors. It's about burnishing their image on the international stage. And Daniel Kinnahin, has an eye for the main chance and he's got in the ear of people who can make this happen, uh, people in the Middle East who want it there and the people, the promoters who are just interested in the money and the bottom line and they know there's a lot of money in Saudi and they don't care about the human rights concerns that are very, very legitimate when you when you look at it there. As an indication too of the global reach of the Kinan cartel, Daniel Kinnaghan was actually mentioned in WikiLeaks in um, uh, US di- diplomatic ke- cable sent from Freetown in Sierra Leone Mm. you know that he had links to uh, somebody involved in the narcotics trade in Sierra Leone in Africa so the tentacles go all over the world like this isn't like Ireland is a tiny dot on the map on the edge of Europe like an Irish story generally doesn't resonate globally but the fact that the Kinahan cartel has such a global reach and that Daniel Kinahan is placing himself at the centre of a global sport it's become a very significant story
1: absolutely absolutely let's talk about the origins of uh, of MTK um i guess 2012 um it had its origins in a gym in, in Marbella Spain founded uh by uh you know former middleweight world title challenger uh Matthew Macklin and, and Kinnahan. I mean, originally the gym was called MGM as you, as you had stated earlier, Karen, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Macklin's gym Marbella, I guess it was called. So tell me what you know about the starting of the gym and, and how it came about.
2: well, it started like, like Matthew Macklin would have been a popular figure in Irish and UK boxing. And, um, uh, I think it's to—it's not to the media's credit by any means that the Daniel Kinahan uh, connection was more or less overlooked for a couple of years. Even though crime correspondents have been writing about the Kinahan family and about uh, allegations being made against Daniel Kinahan, that I think the sports media was quite slow to pick up on it. And it still is very slow to pick up on it. Like The running in this story is definitely be made in the news pages by crime specialists a lot of sports writers don't want to know a lot of people in the boxing beat don't want to know and i was talking to one boxing writer in the uk who told me he would actually be interested in writing about the story and his newspaper told him not to they said no we're staying away from this i just want you to write about tyson fury or whatever i don't want to get it we don't want, we don't want to get involved in this a part of that could be a fear factor now because right uh, there's, a, there's also there's a fear of libel because uh, a lot of newspapers are such a precarious state that a heavy libel bill could close could possibly close them down or lead to job losses. And the other is fear of a serious criminal organization, you know, that have killed a lot of people. So some people just don't want to get involved in that and stay out of it. And I can understand that. But at the same time, I think you have a responsibility as a journalist to to, to dig into the story because it is so big. And you no, know, MTK's rise—they signed up a lot of boxers, but the, the emphasis was more on quantity than quality. And then eventually, over the years, they started to get more better quality boxers. Like they got Carl Frampton, and they got Tyson Fury now, who's the golden cow because he is one heavyweight that I think could resonate in the U.S. He has that kind of personality, charisma that could take off, which would be an unusual for a British heavyweight in, the, in America, as you know. But I think he has got that chance now, and I think they see that. But um, he, he left in 2017. Uh, he left MTK. According to MTK, there was a buyout. In February 2018, MTK put in place a ban on the Republic of Ireland media. Which was incredible that they would not speak, or wouldn't let their boxers speak to Republic of Ireland media, but still speak to Northern Ireland media, but not Republic of Ireland media, and that was down to coverage of the Daniel Kinahan link. Now, and that—that uh, do you? I presume you know about the Streisand and Effect, uh, Kurt? Have you heard of the Streisand and Effect?
1: I haven't. No, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Well, I tried to summarise it very quickly. Um, it's connected to a story around Barbara Streisand, and I can't remember the exact story, but it's a story she tried to suppress uh, back in the 1970s I think, and because of the attempt at suppression, more people got interested in it (laughs) so So I have to be honest I got far more interested in the MTK story when the ban was put in place (laughs) because that encouraged me to look into it more and said, what the hell is this about, and should we be looking into this a bit more the ban has was lifted uh, a year later, but a lot of journalists have stayed away from away from them. Some are still engaging with their boxers, but I think you are getting now. Uh, um, there's definitely been a momentum since Bob Arum's comments. You know, there's far more stuff in the media over here. I don't know the, uh, the. I saw a blog in the U.S. I'm not sure there hasn't been that much in the UK, which is disappointing. But I think. There's more pressure going to come on MTK. There's more pressure going to come on people like Bob Aram and uh, organisations that have, t- have created links to Daniel Kinnan. I think you the pressure what, has... To
0: if I add in, Karen, I mean, just because the, the one who put the, the ban was on the face of MTK, I suppose, is this woman, Sandra Vaughan, who I mentioned. And, and the links are, are so many. Like the, she, she married a guy, or she met her partner, a guy called Kevin Kelly, and they split in 2005, And by 2012, he was rescued by the Spanish police, tied to a bed, beaten and tortured by what they said was the Irish Mafia. Then all of a sudden, she ends up with 10 million, and she buys the fake-baked tanning and beauty business that the likes of Madonna endorsed, and that's raided by the Scottish Crime and Drug Enforcement Agency by 2010. By 2013, that's liquidated, and she meets a guy called Danny Vaughan, who was a trainer. Um, So, I mean, the the links are... It's so obvious. I mean, and, and these are not nice people, and... As Kieran mentioned, I mean, whether it's a fear, I mean, there is a duty to to do this, but they are bullies, um, and whether I mean, there's a the fear of, of of killers in the background. To be fair, but even above that, there's just a constant bullying by of of, of just kind of fake accounts online, and they just constantly go after anyone who mentions this, um, and they try and shut them up in, in the most horrible way possible.
2: Yeah.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, I, I've had a little bit of that myself, just because I interviewed Bob Yalen. And I don't know what affiliation this person, the whistleblower was was from, but he was constantly badgering me to get Yalen back on and answer certain questions and so on. And yeah. actually, you and uh, one of the, uh, I read it, you know, I actually hadn't, you know, I, I kind of heard, you know, I heard about the weigh-in, of course, but I hadn't really dug into it much. And when I was doing research for the Yalen interview, you know, I, I, you know, found a few of your articles and, and I was just like, whoa, 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 <laughs> there's something here. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest question, obviously, and, and and you'd posed it, I think, in a couple of your articles was just like, you know, where where did the money come from, you know, to, to get the gym off the ground, to get the organization off the ground? um. You know, so so is there any question as to where the, I mean, at least in your mind, you know, as to where the money came from to start uh, MGM and, and, and MTK?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, you can, you can maybe pretend that MGM, when it was a very small operation in Marbella, may have been just Macklin, you know, doing something locally where he lived, um, and Daniel was helping out in the background. But, I mean, what we started to see early in Ireland, because, well, the Republic of Ireland, the south of Ireland, it's been a bit of a graveyard for pro boxing over the years. I mean, you go back to the nineties when I think Lennox Lewis had to give out free tickets and, and Prince Nassim Hamad had to do a, an open session on one of the main streets in, in Dublin. And a lot of, a lot of professional Irish fighters, I mean, it, it was kind of knocking on doors and selling tickets for their fights. So it was a grim existence. Um, and then all of a sudden when MTK come on board, suddenly okay, boxers are on relatively lucrative contracts. Mm. Um, they're they're living it up. Then the next wave, the bigger boxers, kind of Carl Frampton. I know as an advisor, Michael Condon is there. As Kieran says, Tyson Fury is there. So it's gradually grown, and it doesn't make sense the size of the staff they have, the money they can throw at fighters, and have been. And then plus the fact, why are they headquartered in Dubai? The uh, mm, supposed right. CEO Sandra Vaughan lives in Scotland. Um, The original company was in Marbella in Spain. Is it just complete fluke that they happen to open their headquarters down the road from Daniel Kinahan's penthouse where he's protected by ex-KGB
2: guards? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Kurt, there's uh, there's something else that is worth considering is the impact on Irish boxing because boxing is effectively Ireland's international sport in the sense that it's a sport Ireland have been good at on the international stage. Like Ireland have won 27 Olympic medals. Of those, 14 have come in the ring. So that's over half Ireland's Olympic medals. At professional level, uh, there's been more success at European and world level in boxing than in any other sport. You know, you know yourself the history of professional boxing in the States. That largely, for the first few decades of the, of the sport, it was built on the, on the back of Irish and Italian fighters. So there's a great right. Irish tradition there. But this has had a hugely negative impact a toxic sport with many people. Uh, the, a lot of the media don't want to know, like sports editors, broadcasters, etc. A lot of sp- potential sponsors and advertisers clearly don't want to know because why would you want to be linked to something, you know, you know, there's been a couple of other shootings around in in boxing gyms in Ireland. You know, in a boxing gym in Ireland, where one man was killed, and outside the boxing's national stadium as well. They might have no relation to Kinahans, but they're all being linked together. That boxing now has become toxic, and that's very that's a great concern because. Uh, it's a sport that's done so much good in Ireland. Like it's gone into, as it does in, in so many countries, because it goes into disadvantaged communities that the the governments often ignore and other sports ignore, and it gets people on a level path, and it gives them, uh, you know, it gives them motivation and a cause and something that just keeps them away from a life of crime. But those same communities that were often, that owed a lot to boxing, have been destroyed by uh, the Kinnahans and people like the Kinnahans. They've been destroyed by the drug trade, You know, and that, that's a, very, a great sadness. And I don't know if boxing can come, come back from that. Like, There's been no professional show in Dublin since March of last year. Like, I don't think you're going to get any capital city in Europe with that gap. The year before, there was only four shows in Dublin. The year before, eight. So that graph has gone way down. And it's not just down to the Kinnan factor. You know, there's there's concerns about insurance and the government uh, costs and the governing body looking for too much in terms of fees. But I think a huge part of it is the Kinnan factor, that venues don't want to know, the police force don't don't want them to go ahead.
0: And and on a side note, actually, from that, Karen. I mean, you talk like Obviously, at the Olympics, boxing is our thing, and so many great fighters have come through. And um, those fighters are taxpayer-funded. Yet when they're going pro now, they tend to be going to to MTK. So there's also the question of: Do you want your tax money helping guys who are going to end up helping a cartel leader?
1: Right. It's a great point. Well, well, listen. Let's uh, you know for for the people over here who I mean, you guys obviously know chapter and verse uh, of, of of this this whole saga. Um, but let's let's go back to kind of what what kind of tipped off the whole uh, Kinnahan Hutch feud that, that that has really kind of tore up uh, Ireland. Um, so I mean, I'm only getting all this from from you know uh, things I'm you know Irish you know media on the internet. But it, it I guess it, it was in August 2014 when when Gary Hutch, who was reportedly Kinnahan's right hand man, I guess. Um, basically, hired someone to, to, to try and burst into Kinnahan's uh, room or something where he was we were holding a summit and and steal some suitcase of cash. That's that's what one of the stories had said. And supposedly, the the assassin was uh, was uh, confronted or, or seen by Jamie Moore, former European uh, junior middleweight champ um, on the outside. And Moore ended up taking a, a couple of bullets for that. And Kinnahan apparently recognized the gunman from from security footage and immediately figured that it was Hutch who was behind it. Um, and the, the story goes, I think this was from The Sun that uh, they alleged that uh, Gary Hutch admitted his role to Kinahan, agreed to hand over uh, 200,000 pounds in, 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 in exchange for his life, but they demanded more money and eventually uh, they uh, allegedly executed him at, at an apartment complex in Spain. Um, and I think the, the Spanish court later named Daniel as the man who ordered the killing of Gary Hutch. And that uh, was also according to the Irish Sun. So, so I, guess, uh, I guess we'll go with you. And, uh, you know, before we get into the Regency, which was really kind of the, the, the pinnacle of this, but uh, tell me about the Hutch family. And uh, obviously they're not exactly choir boys either, but, but how this whole feud began.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a crime writer, but I mean, my understanding right, maybe,
1: maybe Nicole the Talon or... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. But I mean, from,
0: this, from listening Mr. to Mr. Reynolds, the, like, I don't know. <laughs> Kieran, Kieran might correct me if I'm wrong as well on this. I mean, uh, the Hutches would have run a lot of drugs in, in, in Dublin in, in the 80s and 90s. Now, small time compared to, to this. And they were actually also massively into to boxing. Is it the Corinthians Boxing Club in Dublin would, would have been theirs. Um, so it, it kind of became a turf war uh, outside the Dublin city centre, into places like Crumlin, um, and it became a power struggle. And it, it's got to the stage now where basically, I mean, from wiretaps and things, you'll, you'll you'll hear people. I mean, the the, the could buy the the hutches at this stage, but but within communities, I mean, it's in kind of working class areas of Dublin, you'll hear like you can't whisper certain names. Pe- people like neighbours will turn up. This. Um, I was in Crumlin Boxing Club uh, for for some stuff on Conor McGregor uh, last year and I mean I was talking to the trainers there and they were kind of saying come on outside and we'll whisper it because you just cannot say these things out loud you don't know who's affiliated with who mm. um, so it's grim like that and I mean it just became a tit for tat at the beginning um, and Daniel Kinahan was regularly a target. I mean, August 2014, as you say, Jamie Moore gets shot by accident. That was a hutch gunman in, in Spain trying to get him. November 2015, there was another attempt on Kinahan's life at, a, I think, a boxing way in the Red Cow, and one of his handlers threw a bin at someone and he got away with that. And then the one, I, I guess, the, the agency, as you mentioned, that's the one that really hurt Daniel Kinahan because he's always had this idea of becoming a legitimate businessman. And boxing was his way to do that. And he was kind of making strides um, in that direction. And on 5th of February 2016, it was, it was a weigh-in for a European title bout I think, between Jamie Cavanagh and Antonio Gio Bento. And the police messed up, we know that. Um, Hutch Gunman entered. Some were dressed as a, a police special unit, one as a woman. Um, and an associate of Kinnehan's was killed at that in what was an attempt on Daniel's life. And the problem for him it wasn't so much the killing or another attempt at his life. It was that the media were there. This was quite shocking to see in broad daylight in a hotel in the middle of Dublin where the media are there, the police are there. This is supposed to be a sporting event. And all eyes suddenly went, wait a minute, What what's this guy doing around boxing? And that destroyed his chance to go legitimate. Um, or, or at least it should have. I mean, what we're seeing now is another right. push for that. Right, right.
2: Um,
0: but I think that infuriated him hugely. Um, <laughs> and since then, I mean, as we mentioned, I mean, there's 18 murders in that. 16 have been uh, Kinahan's killing people on the Hutch side, and he's the he's the guy calling the shots on that. So uh, I, I guess the Regency, I mean, there may have been a flame all along, but I think the Regency was real fuel on that fire.
2: Yeah, because I think there's a, it's important to stress this, Kurt, um, uh, Daniel Kinahan's obsessed with boxing. mm you no, know, he's a genu- he's genuinely very passionate about, and he wants to be a major player in the sport. And as Ewan says, there, the Regency attack in February twenty sixteen. You know, that was a time when there weren't that many, you know, there weren't many questions being raised in the boxing you know, by boxing media or sports writers up till then. No, know, you know there was some stuff in the crime and uh, by crime crime reporters, but that kind of that really knocked him back. Like that knocked his You know his plan to be a major force in boxing, and it's taken now you know four years for him to get up and running again. And then you, th- that this campaign that does look like a concerted campaign started in March to you know to set himself up again. As good, getting back to the centre of boxing, you know it's interesting. Well, like the last uh, the last murder in this feud was in um, May of last year, like it's become relative. It's gone relatively quiet. So I think um, this is one of his priorities now. Like there's a lot of other stuff going on as well because you know there's various. You no, know, there was a, a, a trial that just ended yesterday here uh, in, in court in Dublin with one of his, a kinahan accomplice, but. Um, the, 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 there's there's definitely a huge focus on uh, a huge part of his focus is on boxing, and it always was. But he was knocked out. He was knocked off track for a few years, and he's trying to get back on track now.
0: There was one great line on that, Kieran. I mean, you'll have heard it. I remember being told this that that boxing is to Daniel Kinahan as soccer was to to Pablo Escobar.
1: <laughs> that was a that was the title of one of your articles was it not uh ewan
0: <laughs> well it ended up the headline but yeah i mean i was i remember talking to someone for that article and that was their that was their suggestion because he he does love boxing and i mean he may well actually be a very very good manager it's just he can't make the rest of this go away yeah.
1: right right well can can we make the assumption that if that if daniel Kinahan were to surface in in ireland and and the guardy knew of his presence that they that they would arrest him and charge him with uh, ordering the executions of uh, members of the Hutch gang who've been killed.
2: I think, uh, I think uh, it'd be so, think, sorry, well. I'm sorry, you you take. It.
0: <laughs> like, I was just going to say. I mean, I think tellingly uh, that trial this week was 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 a big deal because. Uh, just as Tony Hunt said at that, he said, these killings are planned and executed in the context of feuds with other such organisations to protect their core activities, primarily organised drugs and firearm trafficking. And and Detective Superintendent David Gallagher said in court, I mean, he named Kinnaghan as the head of that. So, I mean, it, it's quite timely that, to talk to you, Kurt, because these are the first time these things have kind of, they, they've been said privately to journalists, kind of there's been leaks around this sort of stuff. But for that to come out in court and for it to be said so openly makes me think, yeah, I mean, I I think if he did step foot in Ireland now, uh, I think he would. I don't know what you think, Kieran.
2: Well, I think if he sets foot, like, as far as I'm aware, he hasn't set foot in Europe now for a a couple of years. And I think, you know, uh, it's not just the the Irish police force that have been investigating him currently. A lot of different police forces around Europe have been looking into him, so... I don't think you're going to see, unless things change dramatically. I, I can't see him setting foot in Europe for a long, long time. I know. And then, you know, there is there is the question of why, you know, why hasn't it been extradited, or why hasn't it been extradition warrants uh, served in, in Dubai? And I don't have the answer to that. I, I honestly don't know why that has been the case today.
1: Right, right, yeah. That that's a huge question. That's a huge question. Now it's interesting, even with the stigma of of the Regency incident uh, and and you know all all of the you know horrible you know publicity and association with that. Um, MGM signed uh, you know, and, and this was around you know the you know a couple months later. You have the 2016 Olympics, and they signed what Michael Conlin and 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 Patty Barnes. Um, did they also sign, was it David Oliver Joyce as well? Was he out of 2016? Um, I mean, it's a little surprising Kieran, What was your reaction to that at the time when, when, when Conlon and, and Barnes and, 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 and other members of the Olympic team signed uh, with MGM coming out of the Olympics?
2: Uh, I would have been disappointed. That's being honest because, you know, I would have known particularly Michael Conlon. I would have known fairly well. I would have known Paddy quite well. And, um, you know, I had a lot of time for them, but uh, I think boxing, like boxing, is a brutal business, as you know. Like anyone who steps through the ranks, through the ropes, in, in a professional fight, is effectively putting their life on the line. So they're very, um, they're very focused on what they can get out of it, right? Because they're not doing it for the good of their health, obviously. You know right. no, nobody would, nobody wants their brains knocked around just, uh, you know, just for the fun of it. So I think a lot of people in that world you know just block out everything else as background noise you know and i don't know i think i still think everybody's got a choice and i think you know i think some of the guys that have gone to mtk they definitely didn't have to there's others now that wouldn't have had a huge amount of offers and would have thought you know what else am i going to do i have to do something to look after my family but there are definitely some there that you look at and you think you know you could have gone elsewhere why do you get involved with this guy
0: I think, I think that's, that's a key yeah, point there that's absolutely especially yeah. with Michael because I mean the likes of Paddy and stuff look at his age he, and where he was I mean he, he wasn't going to make it big whereas Michael was always going to be a superstar and uh, and he, he could have gone to anyone and been a millionaire out of this so why did he do that and I don't know I, I, I suppose the, the gangster and the fighter are kind of drawn to each other as archetypes as well through I, I, I don't know if yeah, that is i was it.
2: actually gonna i was gonna bring that up you and i think there is that frisson of danger you know that i think so, that, that appeals to a lot of people in boxing like jimmy cannon uh you know the great new york journalist called boxing the red light district of sport
1: right. and
2: to many people you know, many people thought that was actually praise you know rather than criticism they like that <laughs> you know that that edginess to it and, the, and, it's, and I'm sure it's the same with you. And the amount of people say, oh, sure, Don King killed two people, or the mafia ran boxing for decades. That has nothing to do with what's happening in 2020. Just because something happened in the 1950s or the 1960s, or even in the 30s or the 70s, it doesn't defend what's happening now when we're supposed to be, or we should be, a bit more on top of um, things like governance and sport.
1: Right. For sure. So let's kind of just following the timeline a little bit, as, as you mentioned, uh, kind of in the opening Kieran. Uh, you know, MTK had a little legal dispute, or I'm, I should say MGM had a little legal dispute with uh, the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas and, and, and rebranded, so to speak, and, and became MTK, which stands for Mac the Knife, which is uh, Matthew Macklin's fighting nickname. Um, you know, uh and in, I guess it's February of two thousand seventeen. Daniel Kinahan was, was, you know, allegedly bought out of, of his stake in MTK um mm-hmm. you know, by by Sandra Vaughn and and you mentioned her background, you know, former owner or or, or she had a big stake in fake bake tanning salons and you know supposedly did very well. Um you know, she's insisted from day one that she she purchased the business from Matthew Macklin in two thousand seventeen. There was no relationship between uh, Kinahan and, and, and MTK after the buyout. She said Kinahan may advise some of the individual fighters and, and they and recommended some to them, but um, he's not on the payroll. Uh, you know, I, I like what the Irish said, they called it a strange exercise in moral gymnastics, placing, <laughs> uh, placing emphasis on the uh, individual fighters who have him as an advisor, yet you know, Sandra touting the benefits of collaborating with him to build their business. So, so you and, you know, are are you buying the story that, that Daniel's just not involved at all? And, and I mean, I think you guys have addressed this a little bit, but, but, uh, you know, what, what was your take on the buyout?
0: I found it telling Kurt that she wouldn't do any interviews with actual media. Um, she'd go through her own channels where she'd kind of come out with propaganda and and they had this fair news campaign, this kind of Trumpian slogan that uh, seemingly we weren't being fair on her for raising legitimate questions around around this. Because, again, I mean, you might like fake bake. She she amassed ten million to pay for that, but that was liquidated in twenty thirteen. Mm. Um. You know, and as I mentioned, she, she says, look, now, wh- so where did the money come from, number one? Uh, she, she's never been able to answer that. Then she's been saying, look, we have nothing to do with Daniel Kinahan yet. As I mentioned, kind of the likes of of, of Stephen Simmons and, and Declan Geraghty and Jack Catterall, these people, these fighters in that stable. They kind of said all along, well, everything has to go through Daniel Kinahan. She couldn't answer that question. Um and now it seems kind of over the last few months, I don't know if this latest campaign has been because everybody's concerned with COVID and, and either or elsewhere, this kind of push for legitimacy seems to be them admitting, well, actually, we were right all along that Daniel is involved in this and has been involved in this and always will be involved in this. Um, so, no, I don't buy it. And I I, I think if she was legitimate and, and she had bought this business and, and and we were all wrong. I think she would have come out and given sincere answers that would have uh, addressed our fears and worries. But she couldn't so much as sit down with the journalist, never mind answer a question.
2: Yeah, because a couple of weeks ago, Kurt, she did an in-house interview with the the, the um, IFL TV, which you know was effectively uh, in the pay of uh, MTK at the moment. And in that, you know, she really played down what Bob Ehrman said about Daniel Kinahan being the advisor. And she was saying, like, a lot of people, boxers and people within boxing have people who give them advice. It can be family members, etc. But then the following week, it was announced that uh, uh, KHK Sports in Bahrain, which da- da- now employs Daniel Kinahan, had come to an arrest, uh, Done, come to some kind of partnership with MTK, and the last couple of weeks they've released a couple of press releases about various things that are going on. MTK have with quotes from David Kinahan of KHK Sports. So this is a guy. Even a few weeks ago, they were saying no, he doesn't really. He's not really an advisor. He gives informal advice to some people, but now he seems to be back into the fold a bit more, and they're quoting him in press releases um, in his role as KHK Sports, and that this. It's actually beggar's belief that a, a sports press release goes out with quotes from Daniel Kinhan. You know, it, it makes no sense to me. And I don't understand why uh, more people aren't going after this story, particularly in lockdown when there isn't much happening. You know, this is a fascinating story.
0: And, and yeah. it's the people, here as well. He's, he's dragging into it. that I mean, we're, we're talking about Daniel and, and 18 murders, and rightfully so. But, I mean, I, I don't know how aware people are of, of the likes of Mohammed uh, bin Salman in Saudi Arabia, uh, Mohammed bin Zayed in Abu Dhabi. I mean, as I said, at all, th- these guys are responsible for the starvation of 70,000 children a year in Yemen for the last four years. I mean, th- these are the people pushing boxing. I mean, it- it's quite disgraceful. Hmm. Yeah,
1: you know, it's it's interesting. You you talk about the lack of of, of coverage, Kieran. I, I actually did pitch this uh, story kind of around the time I... I interviewed Bob um, to some of the, some major outlets. I won't say which ones, <laughs> but, you know, it, it was pretty much ignored. You know, one one major outlet got back to me. He said, oh, let's have lunch. Let's talk about it. And that lunch never happened. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's unpleasant. And, and, and those who have a stake and an interest in the sport of boxing, you know, it's not the type of story they want to be trafficking in, you know, because it, it, it's, yeah. it just reflects so poorly on the sport.
2: Yeah, and the, uh, there's another thing as well, Kurt. Um, about a couple of months ago, uh, Daniel Kinahan employed the services of a UK law, law firm. This, you know that are specialists in libel. that have a very good reputation for winning libel cases, and they, you know, they, and this is part of, I think, rebuilding his reputation. That already, you know, some newspapers have got letters around coverage of Daniel Kinahan, um in relation to boxing. Mm. So. So I think that's part, that's part of it as well. That threat and fear is there, particularly in the current media landscape. I think it's, it's cowed a lot of the media to an extent because this guy has a lot of money behind him. Like, right. you know, he could throw whatever he wants at you, you, know, whatever kind of lawyers, whatever kind of legal backup. So a lot of people are afraid to, to go after that because of that, I think. Right, but right. Can I just say on that, card, I, I mean, me and Kieran
0: both talked to crime correspondents in Ireland who genuinely risk life and limb so people are aware of what these guys are doing to their communities, what they're doing to individuals, what they could do to others, and what they must think to see the sports media do nothing as, as the likes of Daniel Kinahan is normalized as some sort of, uh, of, of some sort of boxing guru. I mean, they must see us as absolute cowards.
1: Right. Absolutely. 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 Now, in... I mentioned Bob Yalen in in October of uh, 2018. Um, Bob was hired as president of MTK. And and I have to say, I mean, listen, Bob has has probably one of the best resumes in boxing. And I'm not sure that, and I know Bob personally, I'm not sure anyone loves the sport any more than Bob. He's a former head of boxing at both ESPN and ABC. Um, You know, I think he was chairman of the WBC ratings board. He's a noted historian and scholar in the sport, Um, you know. That's where I got a little conflicted about MTK. I mean, because, he, he, you know, admittedly, he's a great hire. He's a great boxing guy. Um, you know, and, and in my, uh, my interview with him in, in April uh, 2019, you know, he stated Daniel was not involved with MTK, but that very few people who have had uh, fighters' best interests at heart, uh, more of a best interest than, than Daniel. Um, and, and MTK has made some other respected kind of boxing people. They've hired some other respected boxing people. So I guess my question to you is, you know, I mean, it's a tough one. It's like if if, if Kinahan were genuinely no longer involved, MTK would actually be in great hands. Would they not?
2: But I think Can, you would I still you to, 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 sorry, to, go ahead. Karen. Yeah, I still think you would have asked the question, you know, and you had mentioned it earlier. Where did the money to build MTK come from? Right. So you could say, you know, you can say you can accept exactly what they've said and said, Okay, there was a buyout in 2017. He's nothing to do with them. But what is it? What they they bought was put in place by Daniel Kinahan and Matthew Macklin back in the day. And nobody has ever explained where that money came from because a lot of money was spent on it. Like, they, you know, they have... You know, the facilities were ahead uh, of a lot of other management companies, you know, and the boxes were treated better. Like, there was a lot, uh, in, in terms of financially. Like, so, you know, I think you have to offer an explanation. If You're saying it's a legit business now. You still have to look at the origin story. And I think uh, there's so many questions there that have never been answered. And when you have uh, an MTK media ban that is lifted, but Sandra Bond still doesn't do interviews, except in-house. At the end of a press release, that re, uh, is basically a transcript of her in-house interview. It says no, no further queries. You know, for the media will be facilitated. So you can't ask questions, and at any organisation that won't take questions, you have to wonder about it.
0: Right. So right. first, you mentioned Bob Kurt. I mean, when I wrote those pieces, you, you referred to like the one in 2018. Bob had taken over as president and I, I sent emails with, with legitimate questions again around all of this. And he refused to answer them. And then he did again an in-house interview. So I, I find I, I agree with you. I found that staggering for someone who purports to, to care and love about boxing as he does, because he's an intelligent tough man to do his due diligence before he gets into this sort he's of. He's a, a nuclear
1: physicist.
0: yeah yeah exactly i mean and there's no way he had all these positions in in media without doing his 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 due diligence so he will have known what we knew i mean as, as mere sports hacks we can find out this stuff in a heartbeat um so you say i mean does he love boxing maybe he did but i mean was this a move where for him it's about how high boxing can reach as opposed to the shoulders that it's standing on
1: Right, right. It's funny because I, like I said, I, I had uh, come across a couple of your articles, you and and you had laid out a few questions that you wanted answered, and I, I did try to ask a couple of those questions to Bob specifically. Any well, the the one was like you know, you, it was a really interesting thought of yours. You're just like you know, you know, and you know, like you said, you know, like we said, Bob has a great resume. He's a very smart guy. Like you know, does it you know, did it give him pause? You know, all, all of these you know. Incidents and, 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 you know, uh, if you do any due diligence uh, on this, you know, you see what's 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 going on. These murders, you know, these horrific murders and and, you know, criminal activity, um, you know, did it give an And he said, no, you know, that, that that Daniel, you know, just loves boxing so much and the way they treat the fighters. So uh, so I guess, you know, everyone has to make choices. And, and, and Bob made his. But um, but what's interesting is, is, you know, as, as we go along the timeline. So that's October 2018. February 2019, uh, Tyson Fury, an MTK fighter, uh, wants to come to to Ireland to, to to speak and and see his fans. And at, at first, he he goes to Cork. Uh, they schedule something at an opera house. Um, that gets moved to a university in Dublin. That uh, that has uh, uh, has to cancel the <laughs> the whole thing because there's graffiti and 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 protests and, and so on. And yet. You know, a month later, MTK does a multi-year deal uh, with ESPN in the United States where they're going to air 30 uh, MTK events. So so my question, I mean, I, obviously you guys can't answer this. I can't answer this. But, you know, what kind of due diligence did Disney and, and ESPN uh, do you know, before before doing this deal with these guys?
0: I think they saw the the money. I think they saw the dollar signs. And I think a lot of of what they do involves the dollar signs and and the money over morality. I mean, I don't think it's just this. I think Um, they just
1: needed content, too. I mean, I think they gave like 30 dates because, you know, they have the new streaming service and they just needed content to fill time. So... You know, well, I would team.
0: imagine the Disney Corporation would walk across corpses if there was a cheque big enough at the other side of it, <laughs> and beyond the <laughs> SPN boxing, genuinely.
1: Kieran, any thoughts on that?
2: I- I'm glad you're an attorney because you'll have to go through this for and uh, remove uh, half of what you <laughs> insert. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it'll be unfiltered it'll be unfiltered we'll all <laughs> freedom of the press freedom of the press yeah. but um but so yeah so that 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 kind of brings us uh you know i mean obviously there are a million you know court cases and and, and investigations going on all over europe um that that you know we, we'd be here all day if if i cataloged each one on a timeline but but um, as as Kieran, as, as you addressed it uh, at, at the start, I mean, there's been a concerted effort to kind of rehabilitate uh, Daniel's Dang. reputation. Um, you had the, the, the you know, in 2020, I think, you know, the, the rap song by, uh, was it uh, called Major Plans by J. space yeah. That, that yeah. alleged the uh, Regency shooting wasn't gang warfare, but politically motivated and... And then, uh, and you had MTK fighters, Billy Joe Saunders, Sonny Edwards, they retweet, they retweeted it. Um, you know, and, 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 we were, were supportive. Um, it's followed by a video, uh, that you mentioned that was put up on YouTube by, uh, scarcity city studios. Uh, that was, you know, widely, uh, widely seen. So, so would you, you, you kind of make the assumption, Karen, that, that, that this, you know, Daniels kind of behind this, trying to rehabilitate his own image as he sees he's trying to make moves in the sport.
2: Well, somebody is, so you would suspect it might be uh, he might have something to do with it. <laughs> but it's quite interesting because a lot of journalists have approached um, Scarcity Studios, who um, who produced this supposed documentary about what really happened in the in the Regency Hotel. And j- just a simple question, like who asked them to do this and who paid for it. And there's been no answer. You know, they won't answer, and nobody will talk about it. And it's already been removed. It's been taken down of YouTube because it used copyright uh, footage from uh, independent newspapers here. So it's um, it's it's just adds to the surreal nature of this story, you know. And it's it's kind of reflects the times we're in, like when people. You know, you have anti-vaxxers and people going on about, uh, you know, nine eleven truthers or people going on about 5G. People are in love with conspiracy theories. So there are a lot of people like you look at the amount of times that video, that rap video and the YouTube video. The amount of times they were shared before the YouTube video was taken down, a lot of people that buy that. And the, basically the conspiracy was that the media and the Gardaí, which is the police force here, had conspired to kill Daniel Kinahan in order for the Fingale party to win a general election. People actually believed that. <laughs> Well, that's the world we live in. We are in a post-truth world, Ciarán. I mean, I, I, I find
0: quite <laughs> something to be sitting here. to kind of turn <laughs> off Donald Trump on the news in the middle of a pandemic. And next thing, hear a rap song about a cartel leader to clear his name so he can become a better boxing manager. I mean, it was staggering.
1: <laughs> that's crazy. So, so then... I know, yeah. I know we're la- I mean,
2: Go ahead. Sorry, we're obviously laughing at this. You know, it is... I know there's a humorous edge to it because it's just so bizarre, but it's 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 a deeply depressing story, I think, for the sport ultimately, because it's a sport I've loved for a long time. Like, I have a family background in it, and I've become very soured by it. You no, know, because nobody, st- you know, uh, two years ago, you know, Billy Walsh, you, you probably know over there is the. Yes. The coach of the team USA, the amateur boxers. He's from Ireland, he's from Wexford, and he coached here for many years. And I interviewed Billy two years ago and we covered a lot of stuff. And at the end I thought I'd ask him about Daniel Kinnan and everything. And he really spoke really well and passionately about how the hell as a sport do we allow somebody like this to be involved in our sport when you look at all the good it's doing. And you know, and what's what's really stood out is Billy is one of the only people in boxing to have spoken out. In the wake of that, we approached a lot of other prominent figures in Irish boxing, and quite a few agreed privately with what Billy said, but wouldn't go public. I know that maybe that's the fear factor coming into play again, but I think people have to speak out within boxing and within the media now, because otherwise boxing's gone. If you let somebody like this be one of your main power brokers, I think sport is in big, big trouble.
0: And do you know, Karen? I mean, I don't know if you, find found an added tragedy to this, um, I suppose, relative to the actual tragedies that took place. Um, Like, boxers were always, for people who, we interview people across sport, and it's very hard to get access, it's very hard to get honesty. Boxers always had that kind of earthiness about them and decency about them. And, And especially in places like Northern Ireland, where the likes of Carl Frampton grew up in a Protestant estate, Paddy Barnes grew up in a Catholic estate and ended up as his best man. I mean, Michael Con. all these guys were in a sport that united places in, in, in Belfast, that united both Catholic and Protestant. It was the one sport that did it in, in, a, in a de facto war zone. And you want to be proud of these people because they're brilliant athletes. They've done an awful lot of good. But it's got to the stage now where just morally you can't talk them up given the decisions they've made.
2: Yeah.
1: That's rough. That's absolutely rough. One um, of like, Go ahead.
2: Sorry. No, Kurt, like, because I think everybody has to make their own decision. Like, I'm not going to judge any journalist who goes down a different route because we all make decisions for different reasons, but I, I won't deal with an MTK boxer anymore. Like I did in the past before the ban came into play, but since that ban since I looked into it, I just think, you know, my, my, my newspaper still covers them, but I won't write about them. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I but don't think should should we boycott it or should we go and ask the question? I suppose that's it, it's one or for me, it's one or the other. Don't be caught in the middle where you do cover it, but don't ask the question.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my biggest concern is, I mean, I'm 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 not currently managing any any fighters, but I manage fighters for over twenty years, and and I also just love the sport to death, and it's what 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 really concerns me is kind of the the coded language you're hearing and, and even things that that Aram and and Yalen said, you know, Aram saying that he likes that at Kinnahan because he can put promoters in line who are having disputes, you know, he's a no-nonsense guy and and Yalen saying that, you know, Kinnahan may have gone about things the wrong way with fighters in the past, but he's all about the fighters now. Um it just it just sounds a little too much like back in the old days the third you know with mr gray and Freddie, you know frankie carbo and the undue influence and muscle they had in the sport and you know it's yeah. it's not even just Kinahan himself per se i mean i've heard rumors about promoters who are somewhat affiliated with him trying to get people to do their bidding by saying you know you know who my friends are so
0: see, I, Aaron has a story on that and I, i've heard it as well i mean when i was writing these articles i, I went to several promoters and managers in, in ireland and you kind of got silenced. Then some of them would only talk in encrypted lines. A couple of them said, look, if MTK and Daniel said, I want your stable of fighters tomorrow, I would do it for the sake of my family. And, I mean, Kieran told me, you told me a story on, on the black eye, Kieran, the other week, if you want to share it as well, along those lines. Which
2: one was that? Was it a uh,
0: the fighter, and the, the promo, was it a promoter, as kids? The kind of oh, threat. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Sorry, somebody, who's. Uh, well he's very he's he would a, a well known figure in boxing but he was um his he he was told his kids would be uh his kids would be attacked if he if he, if he had any involvement with uh, m t k so the you know the, the you you are dealing with um on both sides of the of the feud you're dealing with dangerous people you know so i think uh you know that's why i keep coming back to what the damage that this has done to irish boxing now um like in 2012, when Billy Walsh was the coach and they came back to the Olympics with, you know, Katie Taylor was Olympic champion, Michael Conlon, uh, John Jo and Paddy Barnes had got medals. Like there was four boxers had won medals. You know, it was such a huge thing. After the boxers had done well in Beijing as well. And they were national figures then. And boxing, uh, you know, had a profile that it, ha- it hadn't had in a long time. And it's just becoming an invisible sport now. It's gone onto the crime pages rather than sports pages to a large extent here
1: right right so i guess in 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 closing i mean you know and and you touched on this a little earlier earlier karen but you know what's the message to global boxing here like you said you know i mean irish boxing has been devastated by this you know there you know there's the the hotels you know get cold feet now or or you know people won't insure it um what would you like to see major promoters like Top Rank or major distributors like Disney and ESPN who who, who air, you know, who deal with MTK and air and, and, and feature MTK fighters too? I mean, should they pull back from MTK and not feature their fighters until MTK has completely disassociated themselves from Kinahan and renounced them? Or should they uh, discontinue televising boxing as a whole if the major players are going to knowingly uh, associate themselves with, like, international narco-terrorists as this the Kinahan organization's been called. I mean, uh, you know, what what's the play here for the for the sport of boxing? As you said, Karen, there's you know, and I've certainly argued on this podcast, you know, ad nauseum about you know how there's not structure to it and how there's not an overarching, uh, yeah, you know, like an NFL, you know, NBA, yeah. like a commissioner's office to to deal with unsavory sorts. So so what's the yeah. play here that's for the, boxing?
2: No, I think that's key. That's absolutely key. That. An international governing body that is, you know, squeaky clean that everybody believes will be fair and will look at uh, things in a proper and a rigorous manner, so that you could go to them with concerns about somebody like Daniel Kinnan being a key member of the sport. But you have to have a willingness within the sport for that to happen. I right. don't see that willingness there at all. You know, I think too many people are just in boxing are just in it for the bottom line, and Daniel Kinnan is good for their bottom line. So they don't care.
1: Hmm. Ewan, any thoughts?
0: Yeah, I guess, you see, for me,
2: I would say at this point,
0: boxing's name is mud. Um, and th- that's in my head, looking at it from a moral perspective. I mean, I, I mentioned you're talking the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Daniel Kinahan, the Bahrainian royal family. I mean, you're talking really bad people. The reality is, though, will this make any difference? Um, because what we're seeing is Daniel Kinahan being legitimized by the likes of of Bob Arum, Saudi Arabia being legitimized by the likes of Eddie Hearn, ESPN legitimizing uh, MTK and almost rewarding them. Uh, If there's that Joshua Tyson Fury fight, uh, persons are going to be through the roof. It'll be one of the most watched fights of all time. So, I mean, despite all it's doing wrong, and despite crossing lines it should never even have gone near, it's being rewarded and doing very well. So I think that's the grim truth, and it's not just boxing. We're seeing that in a lot of areas. But despite showing no morality and despite mixing with such terrible people, because the money is so good and the numbers are so good, it'll be seen as a a successful venture.
1: Right, right, right. Well,
0: on that grim note,
1: (laughs) 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 gentlemen... Karen Cunningham and 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 you, and McKenna, I really appreciate your time. Uh, this was a great conversation, and uh, hopefully, it'll be uh, you know kind of educate people as to as to what exactly the the hubbub is about. I mean, certainly you guys have been writing about this for for a long time, as have you know Nicola and and Paul Reynolds and 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 so many people in the Irish press. But I really want to thank you for the time. Really appreciate it.
2: No problem. Oh, thanks.
1: Uh, All right, guys. And that will do it for another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast, presented by The Ring and ringtv.com and distributed by the Leave It In The Ring network. I'd like to thank Kieran Cunningham and Ewan McKenna for taking the time to speak with me. Just a really informative conversation. Really enjoyed it. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment or a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Boom, SoundCloud, or wherever you access the Boxing Esquire podcast. Really appreciate it as it helps new listeners find the podcast. And also, do not forget to check out my companion piece to this podcast on ringtv.com that will also feature quotes and background on the interview with Kieran and Ewan. And until next time, so long, everybody.
2: Did you get what you was looking for?